Hi, uh, Tom again, just uh, continuing my discussion on spiritual warfare, and I'm now talking about the helmet of salvation. And um, just a reminder, five of the six pieces of armament are defensive. You know, that tells me that you and what's inside of you is so valuable that the devil focuses most of his attacks there. Yes, he has an agenda for the nations because if he has a nation, it's easier to enslave those living in it, but it only takes one or two Christians who realize who they are and the power that resides in them to overturn the devil's tables. You know, Satan's greatest fears is the release of many little Christs all over this world. So Satan has designed tactics to keep you off balance and unsure of yourself. If he can neutralize you, he doesn't need to do much else. That's why God has given you a helmet to protect your noggin <laughs> against stinking thinking. You know, one of the most important things you do with your mind is you interpret life. You know, an event happens and you, in an instant, put that event, your past experiences, the resources you think you have and what you think the outcome will be into a blender. And it whirs around for a bit. And when you pour it out, out comes your next steps, which lead to your future. And whether you retreat or advance, get depressed or excited, depending, uh, it depends on your interpretation of life. You know, and I've, I've had a different take on Matthew 9, 29, when Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. I, I've said, according to your interpretation, be it unto you. And, and that verse, by the way, is a scary, scary verse. It seems to say that you have some control over your future. In a large sense, you do, because in God's sovereignty, he has made you sovereign in your little world. You know, otherwise, why would Jesus say these things? Uh, you, but the more you come under God's rule, like Jesus, the more you will become your own man or woman. So this helmet is given to you so that you can interpret life. So when life dusts up on you, uh, you can you can have a sense and knowing and understanding that this is what that means. And that's what interpretation is. You know, life speaks in an unknown language and you need the Rosetta Stone at times. And this is the helmet of salvation. Uh, this helmet consists entirely of salvation. So I would think it would behoove us to know what salvation is. And mind you, it is not just going to heaven, however great that is. Uh, by the way, heaven's coming to earth. We're not going, you know, heaven's coming to earth. Anyway, salvation is the entire process of God saving you. It includes the entire restoration process of a broken, rusted out, inoperable 57 Chevy, parts missing, to one that turns heads when you hear it rumble down the road. And if you don't see yourself in this process and have a picture of what the end product will be, how can you cooperate with the spirit? You know, 57 Chevy does not need to cooperate. You do. And that's where the helmet comes in. Uh, so you can fit your life into God's narrative. And I mentioned last time that this salvation mindset consists of a who, a what, and a how. And Jesus is the who, praise God. Uh, for you to be saved, you need a savior and not a concept. You need a person you connect with and who connects with you. 
And this person is Jesus. He hung on the cross to purchase you and your salvation. And now uh, in heaven, he waits for you to call on him just like David did. You know, if you haven't read Psalm 18 for a while, do it. David knew Yahweh as his rock, his deliverer, the horn of his salvation. And he called upon the Lord when he was in a pickle, uh, <laughs> when he didn't have what it take, took to cut it. Uh, and the more you see that you don't have what it takes, the more you will find the Savior in reality because you're going to call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, in fact, Jesus has committed himself and has committed his Father to hearing everyone who calls on his name. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And again, let's, let's have a broader mindset than going to heaven. God wants to come and intervene in your situations, uh, where you are, how you are, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the mess you are, in the pit you're in. Uh, we call upon him. Uh, so uh, I'm hoping you're learning how to do that and, and just excelling in calling on him uh, because he is your savior. Um, you know, there's an old song that says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The Lord liveth. Anyway, I love that song. Um, <laughs> I love that song. So you'll be saved from your enemies, the enemies of doubt, of despair, of discouragement. Uh, so again, become an expert in calling on the name of Jesus. Know your weaknesses and use those to your advantage. But Jesus is not only the who of your salvation, he's also the what. Jesus is what you're going to look like once the restoration process is done. So why do you think builders have blueprints? Why do you think auto restorers have photos of a restored auto in front of them? Why do you think God gave Moses detailed instructions in building the tabernacle? Well, he wanted his glory to indwell it. He wants his glory to indwell you. And that's why he's given you a picture of what you're going to look like. And that picture is Jesus. John 1, uh, John, 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now are we the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. But we know that when Jesus appears, when Christ appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Uh, so John is saying that while we might, might not know all the particulars, if you want to know what a fully restored you looks like, uh, look at Jesus in the Gospels his character, his power, the way he navigates life, his touch, his smile. This is what you're becoming. This is the blueprint. This is the photo. This is what you need to keep looking at. You know, Paul and John agree. The more you and I can glimpse Jesus here, the more you become like him here. Uh, so don't believe the devil's lies about you not overcoming your propensities. According to your faith, be it unto you. And lastly, salvation includes the how. You and I need to know the process by which God transforms us so we can cooperate. Can you imagine that 57 Chevy with a will of its own? Don't grind on me, please. <laughs> this was the children of Israel's problem. They were brought out of Egypt but had no clue what God's vision was for them. And they certainly didn't know or like his tactics. So Jesus is the who and the what of salvation. The cross, though, is the how. The cross is God's operating principle by which he accomplishes everything. Paul said that if the devil knew the reason behind the cross, he would have kept 
Jesus as far away from it as possible because the cross released all of God's power. So what does that look like in your day to day? Well, the cross is a place where you don't have control. Uh, the cross is a place of pressing. The cross is a place where you realize your weakness. The cross is a place of, of, of slights and hurts. The cross is a place of dying. Uh, beloved, there's no resurrection without death. You know, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Uh, we have to experience the cross to experience his resurrection. And you might find the cross in your relationships. The cross says you're not to defend yourself, but to humble yourself and forgive. It might be in your finances. The cross says that by giving, you get. It could be your ministry or significance. Uh, so you need to let go and let God. Uh, the cross is the upside down logic of God. Dying is living. Giving is getting. Becoming small makes you great. Losing is winning. Becoming weak makes strong. Squeezing produces an overflow. You know, the cross was Paul's operating principle. He interpreted everything that came his way through the cross. He even begged God one time to go easy on him with this cross thing. Only he came to relent and repent and rejoice. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. The glory of God resting on the tabernacle. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Beloved, this is the helmet of salvation. Jesus, the who. Jesus, the what. The cross, the how. And this is what you're to put on. So uh, until next time.